is an engineer, a producer, a songwriter, a vocal producer. I'm just going to throw all those titles in there, whether he claims them or not, because I know from personal experience from working with Source that he's most definitely a jack of all trades when it comes to this music thing. He is someone who lives inside of the song. I have most definitely, I don't think I've ever been in the studio with Source and not seen him passionate about whatever song it was that he was working on. So it's absolutely no surprise to me that this year he is Grammy nominated for Record of the Year, Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song for Savage with Meg The Stallion. I cannot tell you guys how proud I am of Source. And and above all of this, Source is just genuinely a good person. I told him um, when we did this interview, I think that the reason why Source finds himself in the room with so many incredible artists is because he has incredible energy. Um, so with that being said, I'm positive you're going to catch a couple gems from Source. I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. Um, that's kind of like where I was raised. But then when I I kind of consider my adult life coming to Florida because that's where it kind of like changed for me. But originally New York, born and raised. Growing up where I'm from, a lot of people didn't really see music as a thing that could go. But in my life, I always known that I wanted to be in the music industry. I wouldn't necessarily say that I've always wanted to be an engineer or a producer or a musician, but um, I was very blessed from a child to have early access to a studio. So I always wanted to be in music in some shape, way or fashion. I'm Caribbean, so I grew up listening to, you know, Bob Marley, uh, a bunch of reggae music and stuff like that, but mainly Jackson 5, my mom. I actually got my middle name Jermaine from Jermaine Jackson. Of all the Jacksons, she gave me Jermaine, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, she could have given me rant now. Let me stop. <laughs> but uh, I got my name from Jackson. So, you know, a lot of that Motown stuff, big harmonies. Um, whenever I work with clients, more off in the... Uh, the singing side of things and the rap side of things. I'm real harmony oriented and that comes from listening to all these old records and seeing how the pads would build and the record just continues to grow until the climaxes. Very first job was actually at a recording studio. When I was about 12, 13 years old, um, a guy named Reggie Huggins, who's done some stuff for Mary J. Blige, kind of just like saw me and my boys playing music and he picked me up to come run his studio at a young age. I guess he believed in the talent in us, but that was the first time I ever sat in a studio and my job was to really teach myself how to record <laughs> clients on the spot. I was once working music. I just didn't know what avenue I really wanted to come to. But um, at that time when I was in the studio, you know, I played piano. I, I was trying to figure it out because I, I, I really looked up to like Quincy Joneses and like the big producers and stuff like that. So it really started off with me like making beats and stuff like that. Um, but really, I started diving in because I was in a session and there was no engineer. And this is when I'm about 15, 16 years old with a group named Atlantic Star that wrote Secret Lovers. Um, they're like, my mentors like coming up and uh, there was no engineer and I didn't know how to use Pro Tools, but I just sat down and taught myself as I was recording. And I, so I guess you can say I started around the age of 15 professionally. As far as inspirations go in this music industry, I, I'm, I've always been inspired by more like the sounds and like sonically and the content and stuff like that, rather instead of a single person sticking out to me. Um, I get inspiration from Bob Marley, Quincy Jones, Puff, uh, all the greats, all the goats, all the legends. But for me, it's more sonically that attracted me more to the music. And I want to see like, oh, wow, I never heard pop records. Now I can, I didn't know this sound even existed and stuff like that. That's what kind of like opened my brain and, and it continues to inspire me. Same thing with a lot of songwriters. Um, 
you know, I'm, I feel like my palette of music has always, since a kid has always been, I always listened to, I listened to rock music as a kid, or I was in a jazz band, or I listened to, you know, this artist and that artist. And when dealing with songwriters and, and genres of music that you're not completely accustomed to, it kind of inspired me as well. And coming into the industry, I had two opportunities that I'll kind of say is like my first transition into really being in the industry. The first one I would say is when I was around like 17, 18, and I moved to Florida, I ran a studio called KDS. It used to be called Transcon. So I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid running the Backstreet Boys old studio. And in that time, I've worked with the Aaron Carters and, you know, some of the Maybach guys and people will come in and out. So I guess you could say that kind of teased me into the industry. But I would really say about five years ago when I moved to L.A., um, I worked at a private studio called MSM owned by a guy named Sham. And my very first day moving to L.A., I worked with French Montana. And that kind of started the snowball effect of everything that's happened to me in my career. To this day, my mother doesn't understand the music industry. Uh, I get it every day. You got your master's degree. Why don't you go for your doctorate and be a doctor? I get it all the time because our industry and our lifestyles are so different. Being entrepreneurs, for one, being uh, a person of color, and then on top of that, doing a job that has no benefits. So it's it's kind of, it, it doesn't, my family's not from America. Like I'm first born American with my siblings. Like they come from a stable. We're all nurses. We're all teachers. We're all benefits keep your head low for me i'm a risk taker i flew to la with no money to go to a studio since i was 13 years old i used to cut middle school to go record songs not telling anyone to do that but it's just like how i was in my head like i just always took risk and risk and risk and risk and um my mom just still doesn't understand it or get it my dad is more understanding because he he was a dj growing up he did music and stuff but all of them still say you know with all the label uh stuff that happens going on, you know, and finances, do you, you still have to find a way to find stability amongst the chaos? My favorite projects that I've worked on in my music career, there's so many, so many things that mean a lot to me. Um, everything Meg, if I had to specifically pick, I would say Savage, Beyonce Remix. Um, I had the opportunity to start working with Meg about two years ago. And uh, we, we came, that's one of my close friends. She's amazing. Um, she's a beautiful human being, but she's so hardworking. And, you know, one day I got the phone call saying this is going to happen. And, you know, when you get those calls, you're like, what? We're going to do it. Who? And you can't tell nobody because you're working. So you got to, like, keep it to yourself until it comes out. But it was like one of those moments is one of the uh, that's probably the most to me. And then uh, I, I'd have to stay with Meg again with WAP, like doing a song that broke so many records, the kind of culture that we were in. It's so crazy. And all the controversy that came from that record made people look at people differently. Um, and <clears throat> just to see it shake the culture a little bit was kind of like cool to me because no one really expected a record talking about what it was talking about to do the numbers and the stuff that it did. So for that, I'm very grateful. When it comes to all the workload that comes on an engineer, because I'm not just an engineer, I'm an engineer, producer, and kind of a writer as well, but all of my hats kind of fall under the same blanket. Um, I am not the best at time management because of all the projects that I take under and the clients that I work with, but I'm a visual person. I have to write it down. I'm not really an app person or I get too many notifications on my phone already as it is. So I write stuff down on my, uh, my whiteboard and I look back at it and I have to cross it off. I have to do that because, you know, the amount of songs, <clears throat> like there's times when I'm with clients where we do 10 songs a night, you know how hard it is to keep track of that many songs a week all the time and be in charge of all of that. So you have to like slow down and that's still a work in progress. But for me, I'm a visual. I have to write it down. In my industry of being an engineer, there's not a lot of us 
that can reach the pinnacle because there's such a gap between like entry level and like the top of the top so that people try to find a way to go, like, go around it. And that's when you affiliate with another engineer who won't really manage you, but kind of put you under and kind of guide you towards the right path. But off the top of my head, I can only name three engineers with managers. I mean, personally, yeah, I feel like everybody needs some kind of management behind them, um, especially songwriters and producers, because one, if you're working on the quantity of songs that you're working on, you need someone else to keep track. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to remember everything, no matter how great your memory is. No matter, oh, this split was here, this song was recorded with who, then this is it. Then seven months down the line, someone's like, you didn't write that lyric out. You need somebody else to help you keep your stuff in line. Um, I just feel like it's, everyone should have one, you know, engineers. <clears throat> anyone that's doing any kind of business in the music industry needs to have somebody that can oversight it because you're doing too much. Um, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm lucky enough to have a team. And, uh, and you know, my publicist, Richard Dean, that helps me focus on tasks that I might have forgotten about. Not that I'm like, oh man, I didn't do that. It's just more of like, yo, just make sure you lock on to this and someone to help keep your focus in line with your goal, I guess is the best way to say that. To get into the room with artists as an engineer is a very interesting thing that I hear a lot because I am a rare, and I want to say rare, I'm a different kind of case where my work kind of spoke for itself and I've kind of been thrown into rooms. And like my personal relationships have built onto the next relationship. Yo, you should work with Source. Yo, you should work with Source. Yo, I'm not working with nobody with Source. Yo, I should. And like that kind of like my my chops like kept me up. But in the very beginning, um, I never had to intern at a studio. I worked as an engineer for my first job. Like I said, my situation is slightly different from an upcoming person. I've just always had those opportunities. But being around the studio, you know, going on social media is a powerful tool to reach out to people. I see DMs every day like, yo, I need somebody that can record me. Yo, can you mix this record? Like, that's one way I would say that you can go meet people. Go to studios, go to meet and greets. Like, well, the world's kind of shut down. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, just put yourself in a position to be noticed. But I I heard this quote from when I was younger and I repeat it to myself because it means a lot to me and it helped change my life. The opportunity of a lifetime only lasts for the lifetime of the opportunity but you have to be ready for it. Like you can have the opportunity of a lifetime to work with the biggest artists in the world. It's not going to last forever, but if you're not ready in that moment, that opportunity will pass you by. So I always made it a thing in my personal career. Before I started working with artists, my chops are okay. I would record myself. I'd, I'd go and make a beat. I'd work with a, a, a local upcoming artist. I would do everything, watch videos. I'm very vigilant about always trying to learn more and more and more and more and more. And that kind of, I think, also helped me get in the room with a lot of artists because I knew what the hell I was doing. I built my personal relationships with all, with all the people that I work with. You know what I mean? Like, I built some kind of internal love for it. Whether we become close or not close, um, I've run into an issue with a lot of <clears throat> other clients where they've told me, yo, like, you're attentive. You care. You're paying attention to the song. Whereas I've seen some engineers on their phone not paying attention. Like, I care. Like, I'm so musical. I love music so much. It doesn't matter if you're the best singer in the world or this is your first song ever i'm gonna give you my all which is something that i think that artists and writers attach to um this is kind of a chivvy's back to the point where i feel like everybody needs to have a manager and or a team to handle things um <clears throat> a lot of the issues that i see arise is when people that are friends like try to work on a song and then splits get done and then people say this or people say that and that whole dispute i try to stay as far away from that part of the process as possible because I'm such a creative. I want to be more in tune with the creative side of the things. I do know the business side of it. I do know that you can do a split right at the end of the session. You can write down the studio's name, the engineer's name. You can get everybody involved to do that. But to me, that kind of takes away from the creative process that I'm doing. 
we're working on a song together. We did this, we did this. Let's just split it. Let's just keep it moving. Let's just split it. Let's just keep it moving. Rather than, well, you did 7.3%. And then you did, then you, and then you did like all that just gets too sloppy. I'm just like, listen, you wrote the hook, you wrote the verse, you wrote the bridge, you wrote the, whatever y'all did. You made it be all right, cool. You want to run it down the middle. Y'all want to get your half to get your half. All right, keep it moving, split it between your people. You know, rather than, you know, nitpicking and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, some records are, you know, the biggest diamond records in the world and you want to have the, the check that's going to change your life. But I'm the kind of person that believes that if you did it once, you can do it again. The way that songwriters, and I'm going to throw engineers in there as well, getting points on projects and, you know, and, and getting their fees taken care of and handled the proper way is to make your rate, figure out what's going on and stand on it. Um, I dealt with this for a very long time in my career where um, I felt like I deserved something, but I was too shy to speak up on it. Or if I spoke up on something and someone didn't agree with it, I would talk myself down and then try to make it work. And uh, actually through the help of you and a couple of other people like Mickey Shiloh, who were like, yo, your source, get, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to check yourself and that comes with being a creative and thinking too much. We all think too much. And, um, you know, now it's like, yo, this is what I want. And are you going to pay it? Are you going to cut me in? If not, then I'm cool. We can still be cool. I'm just not going to work with you. Because in my industry, especially as an engineer, like we, like from my knowledge, I could be wrong about this. It could be engineers out there that I don't know getting it. But we don't get points or pub on records at all. And like, that's kind of crazy. When you're dealing with an engineer, like think about it. Like I told my mom um, that a record that I did a couple years back went, went gold. And she was like, that's what's up. How much money is in your bank account? You know what I mean? And like, as a Caribbean woman telling me that, and I, in, her, in her mind, what she's saying, it's not like I'm broke or didn't have money. It's just like, what are you invested in that? Besides your day rate that you got paid. You got paid for the day. That's what's up. That record made $25 million. You know what I mean? Like, where, how does that even make sense without an engineer sitting in the chair? I know I kind of skewed this more towards my side of things, but as an engineer sitting in the room, without the engineer, there's nothing going to happen. You know, I posed the question the other day on my Instagram, what's more important to you in a studio, a dope engineer or a dope producer? And I'm not downplaying anybody's job because I do both. But just to see the overwhelming 100% response of a dope engineer, but no one's giving their engineer a percentage of their songs just sounds crazy. Now, there are a few cases when you build up with an engineer, you're a mixing engineer, you can ask for points, but I just feel like that should have just been a no-brainer from the jump. If you're a part of this song, you deserve a stake in the song. Even if it's a small stake, some kind of stake, you know what I mean? I believe personally should, should be involved. And that's what I'm currently trying to do. I'm currently trying to change that wave with a group of another of other engineers that I work with that are all high profile engineers. This is our stance, you know what I mean? And, and where we'll see where it goes from here. When do I think a publisher? I feel like a publishing, a publishing deal should be considered when you are in the process of uh, building your catalog and you're, you're looking for extra growth and some extra assistance that can uh, help further you work with other people. Um, you know, you can, you can build your own relationships, but I say this with a, like a little like brain and brain at the right term, but there's only so far you can go by yourself uh, starting off um, in order to get recognized unless your first hit is like a, a smash, you know what I mean? So like it, it's, I feel like those kind of situations typically arise when you like not the very like after a couple songs in and you're looking for, you know, representation and you're looking for, you know, a little security and and um, the ability to to further grow your career. When it comes to artists going major or staying indie, I really have such a. I can't really 
pinpoint as to when I feel like an artist should go major now because there's so much you can do independently now. There's so many people that can get their own songs playlisted. Like I said, my previously last question I just said <clears throat> that there's only so far you can go by yourself, but you also have so many resources at your at your hands that you can do. Like you don't necessarily if you're building your own fan base, if you were touring, which you can't do right now, but if you're doing this, you're engaging, you're doing stuff like that. What can a label provide for you that you can't already provide for yourself? Some money okay but you owe that money back you know what i mean so like what do you like you don't you have to you have to weigh your things out now there be there, there are also some cases where it's just like i can't afford to have my music videos look like the competition i need somebody else that's out there but instead of a label maybe you can get an investor you know what i mean there's ways that it can work uh <clears throat> that you should figure out what works best for you but i feel like that's too specific to the to the artist to to give a, a whole <clears throat> solid answer to there's some people that are very successful independently and some that are way more successful major-wise and some that wouldn't be successful if the roles were flipped. You know, so it's just, <clears throat> I feel like that's on a per-artist kind of base, but you just really have to sit down and evaluate where you are, where you're trying to go and what's missing and figure out if you can provide that for yourself or if you need someone else to provide that for you. As creatives, I feel like we're real sensitive to our environments and the things that we go through and relationships and everything that we deal with on a daily basis that we all fall into our own funks, call it depression, call it, you know, the I'm not good enough, comparing yourself to your peers, not being confident. You know, I, I just feel like that comes with being creative because we we're sensitive. That's how we're able to do the things that we can do. Like someone breaks your heart and you write a love, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like we, <clears throat> we take what's given to us and we, we give it back to the world. Um, but there's been several times in my career, even recently, where, you know, you just get down and it's just like, yo, I'm doing all this, but I feel alone or I don't feel fulfillment or, you know, dang, my peers got this. And I didn't like and I, I, I it took a it took a real long time to for me to really sit down and be like, yo, who cares what somebody else has going on? I'm popping. You know what I mean? And like, and I didn't mean that just because of my success and what I have going on. I'm not, I don't mean arrogance by any kind of way. I just mean more confidence. I had to find myself. And it's just like, yo, you're doing that? That's what's up. Kudos. I also got this going on. You know what I mean? And not like in a, like a pissing contest kind of way, but you have to believe that what you're doing has value. Um, you have to believe that what you're doing, like you have your own purpose, your own goal, and we lose sight of it. You know, <clears throat> I do a lot of work for a lot of people to a point where sometimes I forget myself. And it's so weird. Like I have to be in a room. I'm the way I am with you, the way I am with this client, that client, this person, that person. Like I told you, I'm an extension of you. So I'm slightly a different person when I'm around other people. I'm still myself at the core, but maybe you like to be talked to a certain way. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't want me to speak at all. So like it, it gets to a point where sometimes I'm by myself trying to work on a beat and I'm working on something. I'm like, this melody sounds like a Mike J melody. That's my brother. I love him to death, but I'm, I'm thinking like another person would think instead of thinking about that. And it's always good, you know, familiarity and stuff like that. But <clears throat> sometimes I have to get in tune with my own vibration. Just be like, yo, this is you. Just create, have fun. Even though this is a work and this is a job, a lot of people that I deal with personally and in my close circle, we forget to have fun with this shit. Like you're still supposed to enjoy making like, the moment that music starts feeling like a job job, walk away from that shit. Not completely. Like I don't force music. And I get this from, you know, Hitmaker talks about it a lot of some of my other clients. It's like, we don't go to the studio like, oh, we got to knock out 10 songs today. Nah, we're going to go. We're going to vibe. We're going to do what we do. We're going to keep the day going. It's not like you have to sit there and force yourself to make music. Like, even yesterday, I was making a beat and I'm getting, it's not grooving the way I wanted to. I walked away, went to go watch Netflix, came back and finished the beat. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need to walk away and clear your mind 
because you might overproduce it, you might overwrite it, you might oversing it, you might undersing it. Sometimes space is more like there's no key hit thing to make a hit song. It's just a feeling, you know? So like, and that feeling comes from within you and all of your experiences and everything that you do in your life. And to be able to express that to the world, like someone else feels the way you do. You just have to be able to know yourself enough to express that. Like we work so much. You, uh, we were talking about earlier, sometimes you don't sleep, you don't eat. You don't, you don't take care of your physical health. You're sitting in front of a, well, <clears throat> me personally, sitting in front of a computer for 10 to 13 hours a day, then eating some Postmates and then going home and going to bed and waking up and rinse and repeating, sleeping for two hours. Like that, it drains your body. I've been doing this for 17 years. I think the last time I got eight hours of sleep was probably a year and a half ago. You know what I mean? Which is not good. You got to also take care of yourself. And, and sometimes you need to see life. You need to experience stuff outside of the city. And granted, we are our, in our positions because we outwork the competition. I'm not saying don't work. Like, you got to always outwork. No one outworks me. And I don't mean that in a boasty way, but I outwork. And if you put me in a room with somebody, I'm going to outwork you just because it's how I'm built. You know what I mean? But in the same token, I always get the, yo, Sean, did you sleep today? Or Source, did you sleep today? Did you, did you eat? Oh, snap. It's 8 p.m. and I ain't eat all day. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, yo, I didn't even, because you're not, you're not thinking about it. And that's another phase that I'm in. You know, I'm in my 30s. I'm 31. My body's starting to catch up to me. Getting full dad body going on. You need to, like, you need to take care of your physical and mental health. And I'm not telling you to go run a triathlon or something like that. But, you know, those little steps. Like, now I'll wake up and I'll walk outside. I'll just get some daylight. Typically, I work at night. Some days I would sleep <clears throat> or nap throughout the day, mix up the nap throughout the day, watch some TV, nap throughout the day. Nighttime, I'm outside. It's like, yo, tap in with something other. You gotta, you have to for your mental stability. You just have to take time to just think to yourself about what you want and uh, and and really why you're doing what you do. Like, I know the reason that I make music, and it's not because I want to be rich and famous. Like, I've never aspired to be a rich and famous. I, I want to be a billionaire. I want to have money, but like, that's not the reason why I do what I do. The reason I make music is because I'm able to take an idea that you have in your head and make it tangible and allow you to share it with the world. To me, that right there is the craziest thing in the world. Something you've thought of in your sleep or in a dream or on the spur, I'm able to help you make tangible and help you share it with other people. That's the reason I make music. And it took time to figure out, figure that out. And um, even if you don't know, you just have to like, taking time to yourself is such an important thing. Like, I don't talk much, <clears throat> which is, I want to say necessarily the best thing, but I... I some, I'm in my head, but I just like to like, you know, just think, think about stuff. Just think about life within and with and outside of music. The only way that we can really make this music industry a safer place is, well, again, that's a hard question to really understand because there's so many powerful people that have been on top for such a long time. And then the people under them are training under them and acting like them. And then the people under them are acting like them. So even when we get new people in a younger town, we're like, oh, this uh, black person is finally running in urban music yet, yeah, but look who who do they come up under? They do they still have the same values as the person that was right before them? There's a lot of people that I work with that come up under some high profile. They act exactly the same, and it's just like that's not going to make change. And I think the only thing that's going to either make change is one independent music is going to become so powerful that they're just going to have to allow us to you know have a bigger <clears throat> stake and negotiation into what we want out of this industry which would also falter because there can be a 15 year old kid who's from the hood and has nothing but one song and a million dollars can change generations of life. You know what I mean? But also confidence within people and themselves, knowing what you want and knowing how to grow and knowing how to conduct yourself 
around the music industry is the only way things will actually change. Standing up for yourself will be the only way that things will change in this music industry. Because too many times in every aspect from everybody in this industry, will be like, you ain't, all right, I got to, okay, well, I can't, all right. You know what I mean? And when you do stuff like that, it, it starts to devalue and devalue and devalue. And then they, they have more power and more power. When I say they, even though I'm in the industry, I'm talking about the corporate side of things. You know what I mean? The, the bigger picture of it, you know, because <clears throat> someone's still signing checks at the end of the day. Let's see. The greatest lesson I've learned from the music industry is to be yourself. Um, is is to not copy trends, not not try to be like anyone else. Like <clears throat> that, and the value of taking everything you do seriously. Uh, I take what my what I do for a living so seriously that <clears throat> it shows in my work ethic and it shows in my work. Um, like my speed, like the way that I move in a studio, the way I interact with artists, the way I talk to people, the way I move around, it all comes from my experiences and realizing what and realizing what was the best for it. But I would say still that's not a lesson, that's just more of an overall view of things. The biggest thing that I've really learned from the music industry is that this music industry <clears throat> is that a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. You don't do you, you also do it for your fans. There's also other pit, there's other there's other things besides just trying to get the check. And, 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 you know, just trying to be so selfish with it. It's, it. The music industry has taught me how to be a little more selfless, if anything. One of the things that I always live by is live your best life. Um, and it was, it, was, it was said to me by somebody that, you know, helped change my music career. But they said it in the context of, like, everything. Whether it's you at work, whether you're out celebrating, whether you're with your friends, live your best life, live the best version of yourself, be happy. Um, be happy is really, like, it's so it sounds like such an easy thing but it's really difficult sometimes when you lose yourself just always i always live my best life whether it's having fun whether it's working like yeah i'm really enjoying like enjoy everything enjoy it don't don't be miserable trying to do what you love that sounds crazy to me you know what i mean like if you you love this you want this be happy doing it like live your best life you these are your friends like the like Build your people up around you. Like, let's all just live our best lives. Be the best versions of ourselves. If I could talk to my 21-year-old self, I'll tell him to keep doing what he's doing because he did something right to put me at where I'm at today. And that you'll be able to get past it. Um, it's a lot of things that have happened in my past, and especially in this music industry, that hurt. And they sting. And they hurt real bad. You know what I mean? When, especially when it's close with friends and it hurts sometimes. And you get down and you, you're like, yo, I give up. Uh, or even beyond that, it's more of a like, what am I doing wrong? You start doubting yourself. And I just, I'll tell the 20-year-old, because the 20-year-old version of me was just really gay. And it's just like, yo, just keep doing what you're doing, little bro. Keep your head up. There, there's another side of that hill that you're going to see. There's going to be a mountain on the other side, too. You got to climb after. But you're going to get past this little hill. You know what I mean? And, and just, keep, just keep going. When I read, I read more business-oriented stuff. Like the last book I read was Gary Vee Crushing It. Um, like I like to, to see business minded people. So I read, uh, Ray Dalio's book, uh, principles, uh, like, it's just like books like that just help the other side of my brain. Um, the, you know, cause we all, there is a bit, this is a music business at the end of the day. So like it, there's, I read things that necessarily don't have to attribute Like, And it goes along the lines of the whole self-help way, laws of power, that kind of stuff too. But it's more like a, you have to understand that this is a business and you have to know how to conduct yourself professionally in a business as well as be creative. Even if you have people working for you, you still have to know what's going on. And that's why I like those books that kind of just like 
you can do it if you work for it. It's not going to be handed to you, but you can do it. 